0: Tuesday, February 2nd, 2010, and this is Radio Wave.
1: Network Information Service. I'm Robert John. Air Force gives Neo-Pagans worship circle at Academy in Colorado Springs. The Air Force Academy in Colorado has set up an outdoor worship area for followers of Wicca, Druidism, and other so-called Earth-centered religions. A double circle of stones atop a hill on the campus near Colorado Springs will be dedicated on about March 10th for cadets and other service personnel who engage in such practices. Tech Sergeant Brandon Longcrier, who sponsors the group and describes himself as a pagan, said earth-centered spirituality encompasses many beliefs, many that recognize multiple gods and goddesses and observe holidays tied to the seasons. The Academy Superintendent, Lieutenant General Michael Gould, has made religious tolerance a priority. Lt. Col. William Ziegler, one of the Academy's chaplains, said designating the space is part of the school's effort to foster religious tolerance and to defend the constitutional guarantee of religious freedom. It's about our commitment as airmen to protect freedom and defend freedom. To me, this is a freedom thing, he said. Joseph Nacius, of the Coalition to Save America, states that rather than a defense of constitutional rights giving a worship area to Wicca and other false religions is an absolute violation of the Constitution. Natius stated, the Constitution has never, until recently, been taken to mean that false religions should be given the same rights as true religion. Common law, which is based on common sense, trumps any request for false religions to be given equal footing with true religion, he said. Our Lady spoke of common sense on December 2nd, 2007, saying, God's word which is the light of salvation and the light of common sense. The book, Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping, also makes the distinction between legitimate religions and false religions, such as Wicca, a distinction clearly understood by our nation's founders, the very men who wrote the Constitution. The author states, If you rely on current dictionaries to understand the meaning of religion to interpret the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, you will find the following definition. Religion, a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. This definition of religion is all-encompassing of any group to define anything. However, if you look up the word religion as our founders understood it, In Webster's Dictionary of 1828, you will find Religion includes a belief in the being and perfection of God, in the revelation of His will to man, in man's obligation to obey His commands in a state of reward and punishments, and in man's accountableness to God, and also true godliness or piety of life with the practice of all moral duties a distance in meaning between the two definitions as wide as a galaxy. The revisionists' modern definition of religion illegally and falsely changed the meaning of the religion clause in the Constitution to now include non-religious groups. The founders of the United States of America never intended or could never have even dreamed that Christian worship would one day be held as equal to Wicca, devil worship idolatry etc. Unquote. Our Lady speaks of the only true religion the only true source of salvation saying on March 18th 2002 comprehend dear children that without my son there is no salvation you should become aware that he is your beginning and your end the author of look what happened while you were sleeping also states Quote, if decision-makers in the military were educated to our nation's founding and to our forefathers' views and what paganism and devil worship versus religion is, they would have known that no such right exists for the practice of witchcraft under the U.S. Constitution and adamantly refused to acknowledge the Wiccan's request. Our nation guarantees others' rights of worship of legitimate religions. But we do not have to compromise, practice quietism, nor apologize that our nation is Christian. The author goes on to state, No one needs to be sensitive to an atheist's belief or accommodate them on a level constitutional playing field. God is God. He exists. And for a professed atheist to believe that he does not exist does not cause God's existence to cease. So who do we honor, the atheist or God? Who do we respect, the atheist's belief that God doesn't exist or those who believe he does exist? Both cannot be accommodated equally. One will offend. One will be offended. It is one way or the other. So whose way is to win out? Unquote. On June 25, 1994, Our Lady said, I desire, little children, to guide you all to Jesus, because He is your salvation. This is the Medge Network Information Service. Atheist's Hate Sign Blasted in Lawsuit A political candidate in this week's primary election for the office of comptroller in Illinois has filed a lawsuit against the state charging it officially expressed hate and hostility towards Christianity and other religions by allowing atheists to post a sign in a state building at Christmas. The sign, posted by the Freedom From Religion Foundation, said, At the time of the winter solstice, let reason prevail. There are no gods, no devils, no angels, no heaven or hell. There is only our natural world. Religion is just a myth and superstition that hardens hearts and enslaves minds. The sign is part of a campaign by the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which puts the signs near nativity displays across the country at Christmas time. The sign was placed in the Illinois Capitol building, through which GOP Comptroller candidate William J. Kelly, a cable television executive, was required to travel for his responsibilities as a candidate. We need to stop the hate speech against Christians and all religious people, Kelly said in a statement released along with the announcement about the lawsuit. Quote, it is this attitude of hate that has enabled the stripping of religion, tradition, and history from our holidays, our history books, and our culture in general. Perhaps the atheists need some sensitivity training. Unquote. Christians are beginning to stand up and fight against an increasingly hostile attitude towards Christianity and hostile actions towards Christians. Without resistance, many believe Christians may face terrible persecutions similar to that in days past when many were martyred in the Colosseums. The writing is on the wall as Christians are increasingly surrounded by anti-Christian sentiment. Our Lady said on May 2nd, 2009, My poor children, look around you and look at the signs of the times. Do you think that you can do without God's blessing? Do not permit darkness to envelop you. From the Medj Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. This is Metragoria.com.
2: Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. Adam was told by God to name all the animals. Adam spoke words which he did not learn from an earthly father because he was not born of man. That means that Adam received the gift of language from his heavenly Father. Therefore, language is from God, whose very Son, the second person of the Trinity, was named the Word. Language was given to man as the means to conceptualize who God is within our own mind and soul. In order to understand what our founding fathers believed and meant by their words, it is necessary to understand the definitions of those words especially from that time. The Webster's Dictionary of 1828, compiled by Noah Webster, one of 250 founding fathers of the United States, is complete in its meaning and definitions. It will help you to understand the true meaning of our nation and why we must look back at what the definition of words as the founders understood and meant them in order for us to understand our Declaration of Independence, Constitution, law, and our founding. During this nation's first century and a half, it was known throughout America that the second most important book after the Bible was the dictionary. Every home must have one. Order the Webster's Dictionary of 1828 on medge.com, spelled MEJ.com and click on Medjmart or by calling in the US 205 2000
0: You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Mejigoria. Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and throughout the course of this next hour, he will be discussing with us the message we received earlier today through Mariana. Uh, For those of you who are uh, just new to Medjugorje or just getting familiar with the messages, uh, on the second day of every month, uh, Our Lady gives a message for the world through Mariana, one of the six visionaries of Medjugorje, and this is a day designated as prayer uh, for non-believers. And so as we begin this broadcast tonight, we ask that you open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje.
3: Well, I want to thank you for bringing us into your homes tonight. And again, the excitement of having Our Lady for the second of the month, uh, something new in the novel, novelty of the apparitions. I don't mean that in a light way or or novel in a way that we think of novelty, but this is something new in the last couple of years, and we look forward and we come to expect the message. Of course, Mariana today was in Italy when she received the message. And because of that, uh, we can think maybe where well, this is not stable like the 25th message that she might not give it, but she did. So this proves the, that, that our lady is here giving her 20, uh, or the second of the month message uh, for a continued stable path to do something. And we can only conclude that she's now opened the door, being that Mariana is the one that will release the secrets, to start giving the second-of-the-month message to prepare us for that coming. And so uh, are the coming of the secrets. So the fact that we have this consistency now every month, because it did happen where she'd give a message, she'd give two messages two months in a row, and then she she wouldn't. But this is leveled off into a, a real constancy. And this is a message in itself. Ask yourself, why is the lady doing this all of a sudden? And it's obvious that she's doing this because she's preparing us. She's preparing us in a way that she wants to have something cycled into the apparitions that we've come and build an audience on that day. And it has grown. It's grown monthly for for this apparition. And indeed, people drive all the way from Italy and other places just to go to this apparition now on the second of the month. So uh, this has become known with an intent that our lady herself is is doing it with a purpose. It's not about reading something into it. It's just common sense. People don't know how to discern things. And our lady's trying to get us to see that. You know, So she is the action. She is the message. Uh, Maria doesn't have to retain the message like I do because she sees the message. In other words, well, every day when she sees our lady, she, that is the message, God's love for us. Once she gave a message saying that God sends his love down to the earth, speaking of herself. Uh, God's love is best represented in in the most beautiful way through the Holy Virgin Mary, the Queen of Peace. And how fortunate it is for us to know her in a time of grace, a time that she says, use this time well, because it will go away. And you know the message, often uh, I repeat it, that there'll come a time when you'll lament for these messages. So her apparition today, yesterday, tomorrow, is a message in and of itself of God's love. And of course, today's message was about love. So, Joan, without further ado, why don't you read today's second-of-the-month message?
4: Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's February second, two 2010 message given to Mariana on the Day of Nonbelievers. Medjugorje, visionary Mariana, had her apparition in Naples, Italy. Over 10,000 people were present. Dear children, with motherly love, today I call you to be a lighthouse to all souls wander in the darkness of ignorance of God's love that you may shine all the brighter and draw all the more souls do not permit the untruths which come out of your mouth to silence your conscience be perfect I am leading you with my motherly hand a hand of love thank you
3: To me, I'm fascinated when our lady uses words and things of machinery of the earth. I mean, to say lighthouse is just a little perk that is kind of um, exciting to see these things and get these analogies and, and parables like Jesus was when he was here. We'd expect her, with so many people, if she was to follow the pattern with even what the church is doing as far as the seminaries and everything, is to teach theology or talk about heavy theological things. After all, so many people that go into religious life have to study theology, and yet, our lady's coming to tell us everything we need to know, and she doesn't talk in this way. She talks about a lighthouse. Reminds me of a joke I don't remember it exactly, but I know about a ship uh, headed to and sees another one ha- headed toward him, and uh, he orders him to veer right. This uh, says, "No, you veer right," and he says, "No, you veer right," and the other one reverts back to him, and they keep coming closer and closer. And the other one, the the one of them says, uh, "This is Commander Stevens from." Uh, the USS Lexington, or something. And he says, I order you to to veer right. He says, No, you veer right. He says, Identify yourself. I outrank you as, as captain. And he says, I'm, I'm Sergeant uh, Joe, whatever, from uh, uh, the White House, the Lighthouse. So uh, that's often how we see things that, you know, if somebody else needs to be doing something. But our lady's way is uh, using this terminology. Remind me of that little joke I don't say it exactly the right way But it still uh, shows our stubbornness When God's showing us the way Showing us the light Showing what to follow And and uh, we, we think somebody else is on a collision course When it's us ourselves And we're not paying attention to the light But this message today really reminded me When I was sitting in, in uh, school And I remember the nuns telling us That uh, Jesus will come back when we have the gospel spread to all the nations of the earth. And I was fascinated by that. And I remember asking the question to her, why why do you say that? She's because the gospel says that. When the gospel spreads to all the nations of the earth and everybody's heard it, that's when Jesus comes back. And we're really there. And, you know, I believe that. But what I wouldn't believe is she said you're going to be a part of that. You and I and all of us in the Medjugorje movement are part of that, spreading that gospel to the ends of the earth. Our Lady has all the nations coming to Medjugorje to hear the gospel. That's what our words are about. And so we need to be believers, simple believers. We need to understand that to be, believe is to have more doubt than, than the earth. And yet, Our lady's trying to incite this. She first came to the apparitions and she said, I've come because faith is extinguishing itself. And so for us to be believers, Our Lady's message today shows us that we need to stand up and call people to the light, you know, and and let it shine out to people and simply believe.
2: Outside the
5: courthouse on Fifth and Vine.
6: There's a hundred
5: people holding up their homemade signs. They say they'll be there, sunshine or rain Till somebody listens, till something's changed Believers, believers They got a little more faith than the world has doubt the earth might shake, but they stand their ground. And God only knows where we'd be without believers. They were a couple of kids with cheap wedding bands, they didn't have nothing but a big old plans. Five years later, they're still going strong But they're not surprised, they knew it all along Believers, believers They got a little more faith than the world has doubt The earth might shake, but they stand their ground And God only knows where we'd be without still prays and that her wayward son will find his way there's a telephone call that makes her cry it's her son saying mama I've seen the light oh, and everybody told her she was wasting her time believe us believe And the world has doubt The earth might shake But they stand their ground And God only knows Where we'd be without Without believers Mm -hmm, Believers
4: I was in um, school today talking with the kids about something I had read recently of a a martyr in the church that had prayed that he he said to God that he wanted his life to be a point of conflict for every person he met, that they would have to make a choice of where they stood in whatever um, subject that he was speaking on or that he was giving witness to as far as uh, a tenet of the faith. And in that way, he shone out. His life was... uh, um, stood out in the crowd because most people don't want their life to be that way. And in reading the message and reading the writing that you put on the... Um, website today. It's a nice thing to say. You want to shine like a star in the night, and those kinds of things. But really, when you're talking about that, to to shine like that means that you are separate. You stand separate from everyone else. That's that's how you're shining out, uh, uh, separate from everyone. And I I reading your writings and how you are progressing and in, um, these writings on the website, um, is that what you feel, is that, is, is that propelling you, yourself, in, in the need to speak out in these ways that are so countercultural?
3: Well, I think the, the message really is what propels you. You read that and then you realize what we're, we're saying. Like lady said today that, um, of course, when we rose up early and I read this message, the thing that struck me was, you know, the souls wander in the darkness of ignorance. And she said, and the other thing was, do not permit the untruths which come out of your mouth to silence your conscience. And we don't speak. And a lot of you that with two words, be perfect. So if you're to be perfect, you're to do what she says. And the first thing she did was give a command, do not permit the untruths which come out of your mouth to silence your conscience. And so we have to be, a, a, you know, Jesus was a, 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 a stumbling block. He was a point of contention. Well, we have things happening in the church that, that are really, if we step back and look at them, you know, are, are they right? We go to church on Sundays and we we, we have all this glorious, glorious mass and what it is, but then... We're worshiping worship. We clap for the choir. We clap if there's something we like. We congratulate these people for that people or at the end for the choir again. What are they there for? They're there to give worship to God, not for us to clap for Him I, I really don't have the mentality to understand that. I know people think I'm rude because I never clap. But what for? I thought they were there to honor God. I thought they were there to worship God. But we're worshiping them, clapping for them to for, for, we're worshiping the worship. We're there to do homage and to adore our Lord, our God. And so we see this. We, we come and worship the, the social aspect. Everybody's yakking and talking and gossiping and whatever they're doing before and after Mass. And so we've got to question ourselves all the way around. You know, what do we permit that's untrue to come out of our mouth that silences our conscience? So we've got a whole culture that like this martyr you was just saying, he wanted like to be conflict. If you're not in conflict with the culture, you're not walking with God. It, you'll never be in harmony with the culture. And so, say if our culture culture then uh, 75 years ago was wholesome, well you still go counting that to lift it up higher, unless it's be perfect perfect so that perfection is always driving to the next level. So even when it was at its best. It can get better. Our ladies told us conversion is easy for the one who seeks it. But this conversion will be a process that last the entire rest of your life. And so we will never rest at this perfection. And at the same time, we'll always be in conflict with that. And so this is a beautiful thing, this martyr, uh, what you said, that he wants his life to be in conflict. You should want the same thing. It's not pleasant. Uh, there's things that you know when you you say something, is not going to go good. And you don't do it to be caustic. You want to be tactful. You want to be converting and feel the sinner the, the, the to feel the love. But you've got to give testimony. That's not the way. You know, if you're standing somebody beside somebody that's just a, a foul mouth and talking, and you're talking to them and you're not saying any bad words, they, they start seeing that. You're in conflict. I go beyond that. I say stop. And if they don't stop, I walk away. You know, you used to I'd grow silence and change my language to make it more wholesome. A lady, a lady lets nothing come off her lips that even be insinuated to be something of the culture today. She says very few things about the sins of this earth because uh, her lips are too pure to mention what preachers mention on the radio every day, single day. So there's no reserveness in our modesty of our speech about how we should say and what we should do, and and think. But you can be a point of contention for this by by stopping that and then graduate to the level you just don't talk that way in front of me. I'm not going to do business with you. I'm not going to stay here with you. I had a guy on the telephone who used God's name in vain years ago. And I said, this is over. The conversation ends, and I hung up. And they needed to talk to me. But I don't need to talk to them when they're blaspheming God. So what do you tolerate? Are you making people uncomfortable if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing? That don't mean we won't fall. That mean, that's not mean that we're not sinners ourselves. It's just that we need to hold things to a higher standard, including ourselves. And, yes, you're going to fall, and you're no different. It doesn't mean you're hypocritical. You, you confess. Our lady quoted a message today in the writing where our lady says that uh, the, uh, there's temptations and falls. What she expects you to do is come back to confession, so that's where you reach perfection, because at that moment, you're really contrite and you make a sincere confession. You're pure. Your soul's pure. You're reflecting in your mirror in Jesus. You've got a debt you've got to atone for, and you've got to pay for that. At the same time, though, this brings us to perfection. So that, you're, that you may shine all the brighter and draw all the more souls. Do not, pe- do not permit the untruths which come out of your mouth to silence your conscience. We just simply have too much of this in the church. And we've got the sins being mentioned here and there, we've got that, but you know i i I'm, I'm I'm yawning i'm 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 bored with what I hear coming out of the membership of the church. I just want to be frank about that. The Pope, a couple of three years ago, told the Latin Bishop who was in Rome at the time to tell to to speak about uh, the American people's hunger to be fed sermons that is food. That there's a phenomenon in America that they're listening to Protestant preachers. This came out of the Vatican. At the time, of the, I don't think he's Bishop of Atlanta now, but he was from there. It's, the Pope asked him to do this. And he said that even people, Catholics going to Mass, leaving Mass and going to Protestant churches to get food. They get the food of the Eucharist, and then they got to go get the word food. That's, that's an indictment. Nobody's speaking about this. Look it up. Research it is there in black and white. If you don't believe it, don't take my word for it. it came from the Pope, so you've got a question.
0: Well, it just it's interesting what you brought up just now and <clears throat> about the membership of the church. And I don't know if you've ever told this story on the on the air, and it just <clears throat> thought just came to mind. But uh, you told us the best homily that you had ever heard preached, and uh, and it was a homily. Awesome. It was. It was. You can go ahead and tell the story. <laughs>
3: Well, I was uh, by a long story of circumstances ended up meeting with John Paul, and I went into the chapel and we, we met a little bit afterwards. That, but um, I ended up being right behind his chair, and we're at the Vatican, and, and I'm kneeling down and I said, "Whoa!" I'm looking at his said, That must be where the Pope sits, so I, I can touch it with my hand. It's right there, and it's kind of kind of high back, and uh, I'm sitting there for a little bit and and I'm praying. And uh, just thinking of Lady, because it was her who opened the doors to this. I'd written a letter. I was there in Rome. Long story short, uh, I said, I don't have any standing The only one I have is Our Lady, the Virgin Mary, my husband and father. And uh, lo and behold, it, it all worked out. The community was praying because we needed to meet with the Pope about some things at that time. But anyway, I saw something moving in this chair, and the Pope's sitting there. He's sitting there three feet, two, two and a half feet from me. I didn't even know he was there. So he does Mass and everything and he reads the gospel, and I'm waiting for this homily, and he comes back and sits down for 15 minutes. And he never said a word, and then he continued Mass. And I was left there with only thinking of what the gospel was about and the setting and the environment, and it was, I'd never experienced that in any Mass before. He just sat down for 15 minutes, didn't even say anything and it was the best homily I'd ever heard in my life. I'll never forget it. So, you know, we go back to St. Francis says, you know, preach the gospel everywhere. Use words as necessary. Sometimes it's not necessary to use words. Sometimes it is. And so, you know, we mouth, we well, actually, least, untruths which come out of your mouth to silence your conscience you know you can look at and see inside this message and see that maybe she's saying we're silent about what our mouth should be speaking we're only willing to go along with the culture even though we know something's wrong so we silence it because it'll rock the boat it'll make us unpopular it'll make people think well i won't be liked if you're going through this movement or you're in this movement, you're worried about being like, and I've seen many people in the Medjugorje movement concerned about what so-and-so thinks or what th- this authority is going to do. I don't care. I really don't care. I care about one thing. What does our lady think? Am I doing my duty? I was just speaking to Maria yesterday. We had a long conversation. We was talking about Carter Soborn and, and, and Medjugorje. And... and um his whole stay there, she said he, it was beautiful. He went up the mountain, Apparition Mountain, and he, it was raining, and he was dirty and everything. He was a cardinal, you know, of Austria. And then they crossed mountain the next day, and it was raining, and he said, it was just, you know, just he had dirt all over him, and she was just, he said, he, he was like a kid. He was so full of joy. And they came in, and Maria's, and the one I had tea with her, and he had some obligations after that, and he didn't care. There was a certain authority that they wanted to see him, and he didn't really want to go there, because he he just wanted to be around a lady. And that's how we have to be, is joyous. Just being in the presence of a lady is enough. And there's many stories she told me about him and talking to... He he did meet with the Pope afterwards. He did meet with some cardinals. And uh, everything was very, very positive. And, and uh, I don't know if I'm a liberty to say any more than that. And about... Uh, other than, you'll see his return. But nevertheless, it's not important that that be known, but... Here it is that the, the local bishop wasn't very happy with his visit and he really didn't care. He's there for a Lady. He didn't come up to, there to trump anybody. He came up because he loved her and he went to two apparitions with Maria. So it, it's a beautiful thing to have no guile. You know, the scriptures talk about, was it Tom, or, uh, which apostle was it? it so they have no guile. Find anybody in Israel and guile means you know, pretense, or, or, not scared to say what you need to say, and that's the kind of people we need to be. We need to be able to see an error or something, or in a group of four people we're talking, and somebody says something the wrong way, or something is not right, and you just step up. That's not that's not right. Or that's not the way you should talk. Our love of God, you shouldn't be that way. I know my family years ago was in uh, South Carolina, I think, and the tide had gone out. And we walked way out into the the, the sand. And there was this beautiful, uh, huge shell that you put your ear up to. What are they called? I don't even know. Uh, we hear the ocean in it. It was in there, and it was bu- blue and all this. And my kids were sitting there and, and everything, and the, they got up and walked away. I was sitting there looking at it, and this guy walks up. He's about 20 years old, college student probably. And he says, that's, um, that's the most beautiful blank, blank shell I've ever seen. You used guy's name in vain. And I said, if you think that's that beautiful, why do you curse the God that made it? He, it looked like it hit him in the face with a shovel. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. I said, don't apologize to me. Apologize to the God who made that. And I walked off. He was still sitting there 10 minutes later looking at that. I guarantee you, I don't know who the guy was. It was a 30-second meeting. But I guarantee you, if I saw him or mentioned or somebody, he, he'd tell that story. Because it blew them away. I didn't plan that. I didn't calculate that. I was in the mode of having no guile and ready to speak up. You get that through prayer. You get that through fasting. You get that through knowing the message and living that. And so the messages are important uh, in that way because they they pretend to so many things, and we think it's just one thing.
0: There was, uh, now that you're mentioning this right now, there was uh, a a woman who I heard from today who said that um essentially something to the effect of that the messages don't need um any kind of commentary that we that you're adding to the message um or you're adding extra i guess is what she was trying to say you're adding extra to um the messages uh in what in the things that you're saying particularly like about today's writing um uh, would be an example of something like that um what would you say to something like that
3: Well, first, number one, you don't understand the messages. That's what you're thinking. You may be sincere in saying that, but the the individual doesn't understand it. Do you think Our Lady's coming to say, go to Mass and pray? And that's all she's coming about? It's She who said, that I've come with the plan for the salvation of the world. It's Our Lady who said, God desires the conversion of the entire world. It's Our Lady who says, that I need you to help me uh, change the direction of the world." It's her who says, I've come to draw the world out of the world pour, pour which is sinking. does not know what sin it sinks in. So, these are very massive messages as far as what they entail. And you're not going to do it just telling people to pray. Pray is the foundation of everything, yes. But says, I don't need your words, I need your, your, your actions, I need your deeds. These messages apply to everything upon the earth. Every subject, how you drive your tractor, how you think about your, your, your car, how you think about your spouse. There's not one topic that every single message cannot be placed on. Be it politics, be it money, be it children, be it wayward lives, be it holy lives. These, these messages cover everything. And you tell me that you can't say anything about them? You're supposed to be discussing, and my lady wants us to talk about the messages. Spread these messages. And so that's our charism. That's where our ladies put me. That's why I do what I do. And I don't feel any um, any uh, reticent as far as being reserved about this. I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But the first thing you're supposed to do is live the message. And once you live the messages, then you can speak about them in this way. And so for every person that might think that, and we've got this narrowness in the Medjugorje movement that is true. This narrowness is that the messages just give them, give the message out and then forget it. You know, what, what kind of stuff is that? then we don't need anybody giving homage. Everybody can be like John Paul and give the gospel and then just sit down. So why does the priest talk about the gospel? We got the gospel. We don't need anything else. So we have this ability to speak about the message, to have radio wave, to do things, to discuss, and it it incites things in you to help you understand the messages more also.
2: past, God destroyed the sinful world in the waters of the flood. He chose Noah alone and his family to be saved upon the ark. Today, mankind is sinking in a whirlpool of sin, and it does not even know in what sin it is sinking. Who will save us from this whirlpool? Where is our ark to be found? Who is our navigator upon the stormy waves? The ark today is not of wood made by man, but rather in the opening of a motherly mantle, the star of the sea, Mary of Nazareth, mother of Jesus, the queen of peace, God's ark for us today, leading us to security to peace to a future will you allow yourself to be saved upon this ark a new ark a booklet by a friend of Mejigoria. available on medj.com spelled m-e-j dot com or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000 205-672-2000 a new ark by a friend of Medjugorje available through Caritas of Birmingham.
0: You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. We were just uh, during the break discussing a couple of things during the break here um, about specifically about the writing that was placed on uh... dot com today and in the past you've mentioned this a number of times and i just noticed that in today's uh... writing it's mentioned about fifteen times uh... as the word culture and uh... every every time we seem to speak about non-believers this theme or this concept of culture uh, continually comes up and i know that there's things you've written about it in the past but um, of course there's a it's a probably a show in itself but what is that connection uh, between the non-believers and culture?
3: Well, first of all, we, we as we uh, de- degenerate into a uh, a society of from a culture to non-believers, w- what makes us different is a bunch of dogs. Uh, an atheist society has no culture. Culture is the elevation of something. You know, people define it different ways, but I'd see this real clearly as something of of God, for us to really have culture uh, and to us to build culture, culturalize the message. The culturalization of the message is what our always trying to do. Because the culturalization of the message brings civility, it brings bring kindness, it brings gentleness into society, it brings love into society. The more decultured we are, the more crass we become, the more animalistic we are. When's the last time you saw a, a, a tribe of Artvarks with culture? Or kangaroos, do they have culture? Well, they may have charm. I got We got a pet squirrel It's got charm, but do they have culture? We got this squirrel we go in the back, and he's just as sweet as it can be. You put one nut in his cage and he starts being greedy like it's his, his nut. You gave it to him. and you know this thing has no culture. and are we to be just a, a bunch of pigs? And we in fact, they have more culture than we do now. Pigs have more culture. We got pigs. I can say they got class compared to what the culture is now. So we lose culture. And the culturalization is your command from our lady to put these messages in, that you be the light that shines brighter to draw as many souls to her as you can. And get rid of these untruths. Come on, abominations. You're talking about animalistic. You're talking about against nature. You're talking about depraved. There is no culture. And sometimes people say, well, this... uh, is is the elite culture? Where does that come from, God, or man? How, horrible, depraved, but we don't think. So when we think about culture, we need to realize that the proper culture is is something elevated elevating man toward God, and the more we get that, the more cultural, uh, the more I don't want to say the word refined in a way that we want to be elite, but but to be, to be man, to be walking with God is to have culture. So when I write that, that's what I mean by that. And we've been deculturalized in an animalistic way to accept unnatural sin, depraved sin, abomination, abortion, on and on and on. You know, do you feel culture if you went into an operating room while abortion doctor worked on, on aborting a baby? Would you? Would anybody in the right mind identify that as culture? N- in no way. So culture is something healthy. And and uh, and I wrote about this, about the families. It's come out, the emphasis on families, the good families, that they're showing now in studies that kids raised are around bad environments, being in the school, their neighborhoods, all this, fares worse than a kid in a bad family with good neighborhoods and schools or good culture. So... We have to bring culture back up. We have to lift culture up in order to make this environment for the kids that may not have a good family. That's the best way to help them. Because not everybody's going to have a good family. But if everybody had a good family and the culture is bad, they just deteriorate and continue this thing, which goes back full circle to make the families bad. So the premium thing is good family and good culture. So we need to make demands on culture. We need to censor Yes, censor. We need to censor certain things out of the culture and not allow it, simply put. And if you go on a encyclopedia, you'll see that. I did a show about a year ago about that, that censorship is a healthy thing. And it's the right of the government to protect the morals of the people. You can say, well, what about communists? Well, they do what theirs. They're going to do it or you're going to do it. Either the left and and the Rocco's are going to censor or you're going to censor. Censorship is happening. Can the Christian do what he wants to do? Can he speak the way he wants to do? Why is he Why is he denounced and everybody else is not? Because censorship is going to be on one side or the other. I'd rather be in our camp than their camp. And so it's just that simple. Censorship will always be here. There's no neutrality. Always remember, the devil's goal is not to get you on his side or to bring you down to where he is. The devil's goal is to bring the culture to neutrality. Oh, we, we, we can't speak about, you know... Being atheists and all this, and, and we won't do that, and, but we want Christians not to. Once you're in neutral, it ain't going to go nowhere but to the atheists and to the demonic and to, to degradation. Neutrality is the devil's go. Always remember that. So when you're in a situation at work or schools or government, when they say, well, let's compromise, let's just go, we won't, you, you can't have your way, you won't have your way. Once you move the car out of, of forward, and it's in neutral, You can be attacked and neutral. If you're Christian and you're moving forward and you're headed down the road, you're headed toward God, you're in prayer, you're fasting, Satan can't touch you. It's only when you stop and only when you become neutralized that he's got you. He surrounds the car. And next thing you know, you're in reverse and you're going toward him. So don't ever let this whole deceptive thought of, of let's compromise or we can't. Uh, we can't speak this way. Or if we get to do that, they get to do that. I don't care if this, this uh, Lieutenant Ziegler is is exercising the authority he's got to put in this pagan, neo-pagan temple. He's wrong. And, and reject him. He should be fired as a chaplain. Reject this thing. And we, we think that, oh, well, we got to tolerate it. We're all wrong about this. So it's important that we understand uh, this is about culture, that if we don't build culture, if we don't build it with Christian principles, we lose culture, and we turn into gangs and animals and beasts, which of, which animals are better than we are. So it's something that we need to understand that um, we have everything happening from from divorce to, to the family's deterioration all through the culture falling. It, it affects this way. And so a lot of people want to leave. They want to, they want to leave their spouses. They don't want to stay together anymore. Uh, they don't reflect. And, you know, because they're always thinking about me. But, you know, we need to think about the other person. You need to think about us. What 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 are we as a culture? And this can be symbolized, you know, a death of a, of a family or, or a divorce is a death of a civilization, a small civilization, it's been said. And it's true. And when you think about those things and you realize... Your greatest treasure is value. This song we played a little while ago, it was played right before the, we went on the air. says, there were a couple of kids with cheap wedding bands. Then he had nothing but big old plans. 35 years later, they're still going strong. All oh, but they're not surprised. They knew it all along. I went and bought my wife probably the cheapest rings and banned $300 for both. And even 35 years ago, which we just celebrated our 35th anniversary this past week, last week, uh, you know, it, it, most people, you know, just having that, you're rich. It's not the wedding bands are even worried about spending money. Everybody thinks the wrong way. But, I, I, you know, this was a song that just picked up random. I saw that. I told Joan when she played for me, I said, oh, look at that. So, but going strong after 35 years is, this is value. This is culture. This is a civilization. Our family and us being together has birthed many, many things through us because a lady said, I want to use you. Our lady said that to you, she wants to use you. Are you going to do that? Are you going to stick together? And that's what we need to think about. is not about you, not about me, but about us. We're all in this same together. And when we do that, then we have a whole different perspective.
6: You know sometimes me and my lady have these crazy fights And when we do, it makes me wonder if we're ever gonna get it right When I think about leaving I think about me What my life would be like if I were back to being free Where I wanna go, what I wanna do wouldn't have a soul I had to answer to When I think about leaving I think about me You know I got a friend, him and his wife Just couldn't see eye to eye He had all he could stand one day And just packed up and said goodbye When I think about leaving I think about him that little apartment across town, he's living in. Got an old Corvette, got a new girlfriend, but he only sees his kids every other weekend. When I think about leaving, oh, I think about him. I never will forget her face or the day she told me about her dad. How he walked out on her and her mom When she was just a kid When I think about leaving Oh, I think about her Only five years old And her heart filled up with her With her little arms wrapped around his neck Saying, Daddy, where you going? Are you coming back? When I think about leaving Oh, I think about her You know, truth is most of the time things are really great and I know we got something special. When I think about leaving I think about us How we build this love We share our own faith and trust When I think about leaving Oh, I think about us When I think about leaving Oh, I think again Even though that thought crosses my mind Every now and then In my heart I know I would never leave No nowhere else on earth that I would rather be When I think about leaving I think again When I think about leaving When I think about leaving When I think about leaving I think again
4: Everybody has their story, and and it's hard even when you write something to make it apply to everybody. We had a feedback come in today from a woman, and she writes, Hello, I do enjoy reading your writings, but I got a bit confused with this one, since if the wicked person or nonbeliever is your spouse, then I think there would be an exception to driving them out. If possible, can you please clarify this for me? There have been many times that I've been wanting to leave my home, but your book of How to Change Your Husband has kept me there. I pray every day that our relationship will change through me, through my change, but it is extremely difficult.
3: Uh, <laughs> I knew that was going to come up when I wrote it. I said, people are going to think about this, because, of course, the writing was about throwing out the unrepentant sinner of the church. You know, this being a big thing an uproar in the last few, year, last three or four years, and especially among the pro-life people, about the Catholics receiving communion yet professing publicly, therefore abortion, throw them out, just excommunicate them. You know, first you don't give them Eucharist, but if they stay unrepentant, then get them out. It's what I wrote today. Better a whole, a smaller, holy leaner, leaner church than a big fat lazy one and so the smaller one will convict and will grow with the big church but not with this way so people say this and not mercy, God's got no mercy with that God has mercy with the repentant and he's got a mercy with the ignorant but not the Christian who, who doesn't go by the church and just flaunts it in God's law so that's who I was writing about but that don't I mean you. In fact, look up Ephesians three, and re- read that section at the beginning of Ephesians three. But in that, um, you're to win over your spouse through your demeanor, especially the woman, and so her repose and her her composure, uh, she can do that. And if you're if you've had if you're wed to somebody like that that you say is a nonbeliever or wicked. Uh, Saint Paul even says to stay with them. That you're, so for the conversion, if you don't do anything but save that person from going to hell through your suffering, then you've you've won heaven yourself, because you're guaranteed that. And even if you, even if you don't, you guarantee heaven for yourself, because Scripture says that. If you speak to a non-believer, if you do not speak to, if you if you're silent to a non-believer and they lose their soul, you've lost yours. Basically, Scripture relates that. If you if you speak to a non believer, you win them, you've won heaven. If you speak to a non believer and they don't listen to you, just the act of you doing that, you still save yourself through this. Scripture says, relates this. And so it's important that spouses do realize this. But read that, and that will clarify some.
4: Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that some, though they do not obey the word, may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives when they see your reverent and chaste behavior. Let not yours be the outward adorning with braiding of hair, decoration of gold, and wearing of robes, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable jewel of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious." So once the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves and were submissive to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are now her children, if you do right and let nothing terrify you.
3: That's Scripture, and that's New Testament, and it works. We've seen it. We've heard people over and over and over talk about that. So uh, that applies to that. So you are to win over your spouse. Uh, and that includes the wife also. It may be, you; they may be your, you may be their Christ. They need a salvation. So that's not what was written about today. It's totally different.
0: And to those of you joining us all over the world tonight, we thank you for bringing us into your homes. We thank Our Lady for allowing this uh, to be possible. Uh, uh was responsible for breaking open uh, the second of the month messages And uh, we're so excited to see so many other sites uh, now carrying the the second-of-the-month message. And this is very beautiful for us to be able to see Our Lady's messages uh, being spread in this way. And this would not have been possible uh, without, first of all, prayer, and secondly, the blessing of Our Lady uh, with that prayer, secondly, the support of all of our Medj.com core group members. And we thank you for uh, helping us to be able to go into people's homes to bring the messages to them, to bring them peace and to help bring them out of the darkness that they are wandering in, uh, in the ignorance of God's love that Our Lady spoke about today. And so for that, we're very grateful to you. And uh, you will be hearing from us uh, in the next uh, coming weeks uh, for your support, first of all, for your prayers, and then for your monetary support uh, to help us continue uh, in this endeavor to help Our Lady's messages uh, be spread uh, throughout all the world. And so uh, with that, uh, we give you our love in a special way and to let you know, especially to those core group members, uh, that you are in our prayers uh, in a very special way.
3: But anyway, as we close down the program, we need to realize that uh, we have so many things in this world that brings people to darkness and to ignorance. And, and one of them is entertainment. I mean, we what do you think about pleasures? How do you look at pleasure? What is pleasure to you? Going to... To you know, watching something on television or going to sports things, going to all these things, that um, uh, you know, out on a wild time on a on a Friday night. W- what is pleasure? And we've got a society sated in seeking pleasure. But if we really understand pleasure and what's important, is is true pleasures is those things of God. In other words, if if we see a sunset, that's a pleasure. You can you can enjoy that, or you can see your, your children just playing, or your grandchildren. These are the pleasures that really are godly pleasures. And so we are to structure this into our life. We see many things like that in our, in, our, in our community. Part of our rule says we have no television, no computers in our homes, no electronic games, do not listen to secular radio, have limited amount of toys for our children, have no involvement with sports, activities outside of the community, etc., our children instead are encouraged to find their pleasures in God's creation, and in the skills they're developing in a multitude of areas, including art, carpentry, agrarian, caring for animals, etc. But these little pleasures we have upon the earth now are things that God gives to us, and little bitty tiny glimpses of heaven. So, and and if you really see the right kind of pleasure, you're not going to get that at a, at a, at a football stadium. That's that's not what heaven's about. You're not going to get it out of doing something reckless because that was a lot of fun. But the the, the woods, the mountains, all these beautiful things, the weathers, the clouds formation, these are really pre- pleasures that, that are really little glimpses of heaven. It's just going to be multiplied millions and millions of times. And you can taste that. And in community of life, we see that all the time. We see that from day to day. And so with this taking place, i leave you with these words that look at the pleasures and what are the entertainments of the world and segregate that. Get away from that and follow Our Lady. Look at her messages. And so it is. We end this program again with the joy of bringing you Our Lady, discussing her, and hopefully this incited you toward living holiness. Good night. We love you and we wish you Our Lady.